Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. In this podcast, mezzo-soprano and host Susana Guzman interviews Mexican tenor Javier Camarena regarding his journey to the operatic stage, his extensive career, and his love of music. See Javier Camarena in recital on March 31st and April 2nd, 2022. Tickets are available now at laopera.org. Well, we're so excited about your recital in LA, just to have you come back and sing for us again. Javier, you are un hermano mexicano and you have parents who were scientists. Tell me your journey, if you don't mind. How did you start? How did you get here? I read that your father worked at a nuclear plant. Yeah, like Homer Simpson. <laughs> yes, uh, my father was a technician in, in the actually the only nuclear plant we have in Mexico City. It's called Laguna Verde, Green Lacoon. I mean, he always loved music. Uh, he didn't do it like professionally. It was more like a hobby. And he used to have his guitar and and play along some songs. But I must say, besides that, also from my side, I think music actually was from beginning with me. Something is something that I really enjoyed and and was fascinated. I think one of my first memories when I was two years, three years old. I have still that memory. Uh, then in, in my grand grandparents' house, they had you know this. Uh, wind uh, like bells, wind chimes. And I remember clearly that sound. And I remember me uh, being in, in my grandmother's or my father or my uncle's always trying to make that sound. So yes, I, I think this this fascination for music, for the sound, it was all something that I was born with. And later on, I had the chance of, of follow a little bit the way of the music. I began with a children's choir in the church, not professional, but you know, I was singing there. Then I went to a teenager's choir, also from the church. We began to learn to play guitar and then a little bit of, of the keyboards, you know, the, the, the piano. And as I was going through teenage, I was more and more interested in, in, in music until, yeah, I have to decide something from for my life. I I was already uh, studying a career in in January, and then I dropped it uh, because I decided I really wanted to to study music. I wanted to be a pianist or a guitarist, but I was too old. I was 19 years old. I don't wanted to risk the possibility of going in uh, to the music school, so I said, "Yeah, I I can sing. I I'm well tuned." So I. I will try to go for, for singing and then I will change or mix. And that's how I began to study singing. The first thing that got me was the, the chance of studying another language. By then I already speak English. So next one was Italian. And that, that was something that really got me. I really wanted to study a new language and learn Italian. And then Little by little, I was like more and more involved in the singing part until I met opera. And I said, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. So before you started singing opera, what type of music did you sing? What type of music did you grow up <laughs> with? I grew up with a lot of 
influences <laughs> because I mean, from one side, in my mom's side, they love like let's say tropical music, you know, like cumbia and uh, this more like salsa, you know, more like for dancing music. And from the other side, I have my grandfather who was listening to uh, from really from Charleston going through uh, uh, mariachi music and boleros. And and then my grandmother, who she was listening to Vicky Carr and Julio Iglesias. And uh, and then from my uncles, I, I had, um, they were listening to ABBA or Keys, Bee Gees. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, late 70s. Uh, but then, you know, the, the, the nice part is that I had my own, my own musical universe. So I grew up with my taste for music and I loved Kirikri, Francisco Gabilondo Soler Kirikri, mm -hmm. who is a very, very, uh, he was a very important children's music composer. And his music has, has been in Mexico culture for several generations. He, he was from the early 20s. So until now, uh, I recently, like, like 10 years ago, I think, I, I recorded a, an album with his music and people still adores uh, this composer. Oh, that's so beautiful. So I have a question for you. Typical <laughs> day at home and you were singing and thought nobody heard you. And you looked <laughs> up and there is your mother watching you sing. And she's smiling because she hears you sing. What are you singing? <laughs> is it a Krikri song? What, tell me the song it would be. The thing is that I almost never sing at home. Even now, I don't. I don't usually do it because I don't know, there's uh, some sort of reunion and maybe. But it is not like like the general thing that I'm singing uh, normally at home or for my family. And I'm I'm just trying to to think about that moment. And maybe it was not at home. I almost sure that those kind of moments happened in the church because as time went by i be, i became the the director of this of this choir so we had we had a it was a very nice band because we actually played like drums and electric guitars and electric bass i, I used to play keyboards and and actually i was uh composing my my own music for this group and for for the church i i used to write all the uh, all sort of music for, for the church. And that's why I wanted to study music because I wanted to be a better composer at the beginning. <laughs> but I am sure that these sort of moments happened there when I was singing some solos or, you know, when I was, she, she, she had a lot of uh, uh, research and experimentation at home while I was composing a lot of things. So uh, she heard a lot of, of this music. She knows uh, some of these songs. Um, and particularly for my grandparents, it was also when I was singing uh, songs from, from my church, more than the boleros or, you know, these other uh, styles that I learned actually uh, a lot of time after. But yeah, I think those are the, 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 the moments and the songs. Oh, that it's so fascinating to find that out. What is different for you between expressing yourself through piano 
and expressing yourself through conducting and through singing. I have said this, uh, but it's, it's not only my case. I think it's for the singer in general. We have words. That's the main, the main and the most powerful difference between us singers and musicians in general. We have words. We have the possibility of, to express more direct, directly uh, our messages with the help of the music. And that's, uh, I think, the, the part I enjoy the most when, I, when I'm singing, to really to squeeze all the powers of different words in, in anything what, I, what I'm singing. If, if, if this is opera, if this is bolero, if this is uh, zarzuela, anything. Because I think words uh, and, and the, the poetry that we have in all these different uh, styles of music is what makes it much more powerful. I enjoy it, a lot of that. Do you feel when you connect with the audience because of the words, because of the character? Yes, that's what makes everything be in the right place. And you know, when it's, it's not only the, the, the explosion in the, in, the, in the applause. Let's talk about La Fille de Rogemont, La Mes Amis, which is a, a very joyful and you have all these uh, high notes and it's very impressive. And you have this, when, when, when you can make this area in the right way, you have always this like very enthusiastic reaction from, from, from your audience. But I enjoy, I must say that I enjoy the most when we have an intimate uh, musical moment that is, is, is coming also with, with all this poetry and, and the text. And when you really connect with the audience in these moments, it's like music is, is vanishing. And then right after the sound is gone, you have this silence. That moment is, is the one I really, really love. This small moment, that silence, that the audience is still digesting in the heart and in the mind, in the soul, everything that they got from, from music and also, I mean, also from singing. And I, I love this, these different colors of the connection with, with our audiences. I, I, I have said this also many, many times, Music is the only art that has this wonderful, powerful and subtle way of touch people's souls. Is there a moment for you that you can share with us that where you felt that connection in that silence, that piano of the music where you could feel them so connected to you? It happens often and most of the times when I'm singing the four songs the four Amaranta songs from Tosti. It has this beautiful end with the piano and it's going soft and soft and soft. Also with the, the Petrarca sonnets, which are really uh, wonderful songs from, from Liszt. But I think the most, the most powerful moment I have memory of, it was in Salzburg. It's because we did this concert before uh, in Bologna, in Italy. It was actually one year before Maestro Claudio Bado uh, passed away. We were doing Schubert. It, it is sublime. It has beautiful, beautiful moments, musical moments. 
And uh, Abado, he was very subtle also with the movements. And so as the, the, the music was coming to an end also, everything you could feel still the beat or the music going through you and the, the, the sensation was, I don't want this to end, you know? So you, uh, you could feel this strong and powerful connection with all this audience because the silence was like really waiting until the music was already like over. And even so the music stopped and then he dropped his hands down and then you began to feel it. Um, but it, it, it was really magical, beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, with, I mean, this, this also, this uh, mass is wonderful and, and so powerful as well. So yeah, that I think one of the most magical and precious moments I have from my career. Oh, that is so gorgeous. What do you do before you walk on stage? What is your preparation? Do you mind telling us? <laughs> when when I I began I, when I begin a series of performances, I normally live for these performances. So I I really try to sleep as much as possible, even if I don't go to bed too early. Normally I, I go to bed really really late, like one maybe or two in the morning. So I try to sleep as much as possible. So I I go up from bed around ten sometimes even even to midday and then i look for something to eat because i really like to eat like at least 5 hours before the, the beginning of the show so i have i have normally a nice lunch ideally with sushi that's that's something i like to eat uh, mm-hmm. before and then i arrive to the theater around 2 hours before the beginning of the show uh, so i am calm and i have the possibility to you know, check my 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 clothes. If I have to make up, I do my makeup, or I have a, a makeup artist, so I I'm already there for the to do the makeup. And then, like one hour before I begin to warm up, I have my routine of warming up so that I have been doing my whole life. So I know exactly as the exercises go by, I know the situation of my voice perfectly. So. Right after going on stage, what do you think I do? After what I, I have said about my, my history, what do you think I do? I pray a lot, but not a lot. I mean, it's not like a half an hour or, you know, the rosary or, no. I mean, it's, I, I always pray. I, I, I give uh, my, my voice, my, my work, my mind, my heart, like a present, like a, offering to God and also my heart, my mind, my voice to the service of every people who is in the audience and hoping that they will receive what I want to to say in that moment. That's actually the the thing I always do before going on stage. I I pray and I offer everything that I can do in every single show to the audience, to God. And also I, I put the hearts of the audience in God's hands. Thank you for sharing that for me. I feel like when I watch you sing, you are a channel. You are a tunnel 
of your voice and you give us everything that is in your heart and spirit. It feels like when you sing, we all say, yes, yes, I feel that same way as well. I, I don't pretend to preach. I always finish my praying with, with this sentence. Uh, and I always say, Lord, that my voice be your voice and touch as many hearts uh, that are willing to receive you. That's always the end of my praying, always. So in a certain way, you, you're saying that you feel that you know me, that you feel that it's because in a certain way, we are all connected through, through God or through the universe or what, whatever you want to call it. We are connected. So I, I don't know, you telling me this, uh, it's like, yes, then what I'm doing is right. As we close, tell me, what are you looking forward to? Besides our concert, which I know it's going to be so much fun for you. What do you have coming up in your schedule that I'm sure is so packed that we can look forward to outside of your concert, um, March 31st and April? Um, what is coming up for you that's new for you or different that you'd like to share? I'm looking forward uh, now, for example, at the Met, we have a new production of Lucia de la Mermur. So I'm very look, much looking forward because also uh, all my colleagues are some people that I really enjoy to work with. I am very much looking forward to my debut in uh, the Magic Flute Mozart as Tamino. So this will happen in, in uh, Barcelona, in the Teatro Liceu, mm -hmm. with, uh, with uh, Gustavo Dutamel uh, conducting the orchestra. Uh, conducting musically and there's a lot of new and exciting things coming for the next season i will make debut in uh, a traviata as alfredo will be my first alfredo i will do my first degree uh, in manon uh, masnet and i will do my first uh, romeo and juliet from guno so next year is going to be very very exciting a lot of work but it, it's going to be really, really exciting. And also for finishing, I, I signed a contract with uh, Sony Music Mexico, and we are planning to do, uh, hopefully, several recordings of Mexican music. So we are going to have a lot of we are going to have a lot of, of bolero and mariachi songs. You know, it, it's it's going to be a very, very nice project. Uh, they are very enthusiastic. I am loving this project already and very happy to, to make this possible because it's something that I really wanted to do. And, and it's nice that, that we can uh, uh, do it uh, right now. Oh, how beautiful. Javier, if anybody wants to find out more information, can they find your website at javiercamarena.com? Yes, the web page, the website is updating uh, with a, a frequency regularly. So, uh, yeah, you have all the updates uh, about calendar and the news and everything is, is, is there. So there you can find me. I am thrilled that we are able to listen to you live in person and to wish Great. you all the best in everything that's happening. Have safe journeys in all of your travels. And thank you for sharing so much with the Los Angeles audience. And we look forward to seeing you all over the world. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. See very, you very soon. soon. That's right. Thank you so much. See Javier Camarena in recital on March 31st and April 2nd, 2022. Tickets are available now at laopera.org.
You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Remember to share with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera. Thank you.